and we are live. Welcome to this week's episode of MicroConf on Air. I'm your host, Rob Walling, and I'm listening to two simultaneous playing theme songs. Every Wednesday, we live stream for 30 minutes, and we cover topics related to building and growing ambitious SaaS startups, bring us freedom, purpose, and allow us to value and maintain healthy relationships. We strive to build real businesses with real customers who pay us real money, and we do it all while not burning ourselves out working crazy hours. This is the lens through which we view building and growing successful startups. Welcome. The, the video you saw at the top of the show is talking about the state of independent SaaS survey that we're currently running. It runs for about another week. And if you haven't already filled out, it takes about six to eight minutes, it seems, this year. If you have a SaaS app, a recurring software product that is doing at least a dollar a month in MRR, would love to have your input and your metrics. It's all anonymous and it allows us to put together this really solid, strong report that covers our type of SaaS, not the venture funded SaaS that needs to go big, go home or go public or go bust. It's really the independent, the bootstrapped and mostly bootstrapped SaaS. So stateofindiesas.com to check out that survey. And again, it's six or eight minutes. And uh, if you haven't seen the report from last year, it's really solid. It's 75 pages. Uh, you can go to the MicroConf website if you want to check out what we crank out there. All types of metrics and benchmarks and numbers about hiring and team size and all kinds of stuff. So check that out, stateofindiesas.com. Today, we are diving into diversifying tech as a service. And my guest today is Vaini Kunche. And you can head to diversifytech.co to see what she's built over the past two years after attending MicroConf Starter Edition in, in 2018. And uh, she was inspired by attending MicroConf and decided to launch Diversify Tech. And she has grown it to uh, more than $10,000 in monthly revenue, which is super impressive. So I'll be talking with her in just a minute. Vaini is a developer, a maker, and a founder. After working as a software engineer for 15 years, she launched Diversify Tech to help make the tech industry more inclusive. Diversify Tech connects underrepresented people in tech to opportunities, and it also helps companies hire them. So back in 2017, Vaini was awarded one of uh, MicroConf starter scholarships, and I believe she attended the 2018 Vegas. We were trying to figure out which year it was, probably not that important, but a starter event. We have our starter and our growth events, and uh, she attended a couple years ago. We're going to take a look at how things have changed for her after attending MicroConf starter and being inspired to start Diversify Tech. So Vaini, welcome so much to uh, MicroConf on Air. Thanks for joining me. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it's great. It's going to be a good conversation today. So Diversify Tech, for folks who can't get over the website, your H1 is a collection of resources for underrepresented people in tech. And as I was saying in, in the intro, you help underrepresented people find job opportunities, and then you also help companies hire folks that are underrepresented. Is that an accurate assessment? Yes. I, initially, I started it as a way for people to find opportunities like events in tech, scholarships, and so on, because sometimes opportunities are there, but it, they may not be shared in like the right networks. So I wanted to make sure that people who are underrepresented also had knew about them. Yeah. And so how, what mechanism do you use to do that? Do you, you have a job board, I presume, and then you have an email newsletter. How does all that tie in? Maybe give us the 30,000 foot view. Yeah. Uh, so uh, what you're looking at right now, it's, I set it up as like a directory of like resources. So you can click on any of those categories and you can find opportunities like speaking opportunities or events or communities specifically for underrepresented people. 
Uh, and along with that, I also have a job board uh, where companies can post their jobs. And uh, it's slightly different from other job boards in that I ask companies to give more insight into their teams. For example, I ask them how many people of color are on your, on your tech teams, how many disabled folks are on your tech team, because I want my members to come in and take a look and see, you know, if how they're doing and if they feel like they can uh, be part of that company. Yeah. And I want to call to the audience, if you have any questions uh, for Vani about her experience or about Diversify Tech, please do post them to YouTube or into the MicroConf on air Slack channel in MicroConf Connect. If you're not in MicroConf Connect, you should head to microconfconnect.com. We have crested 1,500 founders and aspiring founders in, in Connect, and it's really a, a great community. And Vani, you're part of that as well. So thanks for participating. So you attended MicroConf Starter a couple years ago, mm -hmm. and we'll talk a little bit about kind of the, the inspiration or, or what just made you decide to, to start Diversify Tech. But one thing, you know, that we've done with Starter, and actually my co-founder, Mike Tabor, was really the spearhead behind this, mm -hmm. and, I, and I'm really glad we did it, is developing our scholarship program, which mm -hmm. allows us to offer free tickets to folks who might not otherwise be able to attend or might not otherwise attend a MicroConf. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious, how did you find out, because you came on the scholarship program, how did you find out about it? Mm -hmm. I think I was part of the MicroConf's um, mailing list already, and I'm all, I was also, and I'm part of the Mega Maker community that Justin Jackson runs. And they were all talking about, I think in 2017, all, a lot of the people in the community were thinking about going to MicroConf and they were chatting and I had major FOMO because I wanted to go, but at that time I was pregnant. So I was like, you know, not possible this year. And then in 2018, I saw it was the first time I heard of the scholarship and I had to think about it a little bit because I, was, I had just given birth. My daughter was like four months old. I was like, should I go do this? And then I said, I'm going to apply. If I get it, I'm going to go. <laughs> so it was exciting to see it. And I applied and I got the scholarship. And yeah, yeah. And it, it was a great experience. At the time, I was actually working on two different ideas. And coming in, I wanted to talk to a lot of people to figure out which one I kind of should focus on. And I did get that opportunity. Uh, I talked to people who were working on similar things or I asked them about just talk through what I was working on and heard their thoughts. So at the end of the conference, it gave me some clarity on which path I should take. Were you already, were you were looking at two different things? Was one of them Diversify Tech? Uh, it was actually something similar. I used to run a newsletter called Code With Many, which was to help women get into tech. Uh, so I was working on that and at that time I already had uh, about 2000 subscribers and I was getting sponsorships, but at that time I didn't think of it as a business because as a software engineer, I was thinking software, I was thinking product, right. things like that. So when I had, was growing this newsletter, but I didn't think of it as a business to like attended microcom. I actually had office hours with Patrick and I actually asked him like, he was between the two ideas i shared the two ideas and he was like oh you should work on the women in tech one and as i asked him is a newsletter a business and he said mm -hmm. yes <laughs> you can find Very sponsors cool. and you can monetize so i think it was good to hear somebody who was experienced uh, say that to me yeah and patrick for those who don't know that's patrick mckenzie patio 11 mm -hmm. so wise advice talk to me then uh, you know tell us a little bit about your decision to build and launch, or I guess it sounds like you pivoted into version mm -hmm. one of, of diversified tech. So the decision, it sounds like a lot of microconf folks spoke to that and made you mm -hmm. want to go after the women in tech, but I'm curious, yeah. what was the pivot to make it wider and what was mm -hmm. the, you know, the process like? 
Yeah, uh, with, when I ran Code with New, the new newsletter, which was uh, specifically for women in tech, I think I did. I learned a lot from it. Uh, from uh, I made a lot of mistakes. I learned a lot from it, and I used all of those learnings. And I made it not just for women in tech, but for I wanted to include more underrepresented people, queer folks in tech. So I wanted to make sure that it includes a lot more people. So that's why I kind of pivoted off from just women in tech to more broader underrepresented people. And also, I wanted it to be more focused on opportunities. Code with many was more inspiration. So I would share stories about there are women in tech and this is how they're doing. One of the things I learned is that's already out there. There's a lot of things going on to inspire women to get into tech or underrepresented people to get in tech, but there wasn't a lot going on at that time to actually work on the next step. Okay, okay, you're inspired, you want to get into tech, now what? You know, like, where do you find the opportunities? Which companies are good for you? Uh, so I pivoted to focusing more on that, uh, on the opportunities part of it. And for my first version, I made it pretty simple. I said, I'm going to put, I just took an air uh, table and listed a bunch of scholarships. And I said, I'm going to start a newsletter. I'm going to be sharing with these resources. If you're interested, sign up. And I shared it with my code with many subscribers. I shared it on Twitter and I, it was mostly a test to see what I thought would be useful, would be good for people. And, and it, and it did, I think I got to 500 uh, subscribers pretty fast. And that was the first version, which uh, kind of led to more. Yeah. So that's really interesting. So you get to 500 really fast and it was just about scholarships. Was it scholarships to events? Yes, at that time. So not in COVID times, but previously for to get to conferences, it was pretty expensive for flights, mm -hmm. for the actual tickets. So I was sharing scholarships that conferences were already offering, like similar to MicroConf, how mm -hmm. you offered a free ticket to the event. So other tech events were offering free tickets. Some were also offering like travel, things like that. So mm -hmm. I compiled a list of all the things they could find and I would share those. Very cool. And then essentially 18 give or take 18 months later you were able to quit your day job is that right you said you had a number in mind that you wanted to hit in yeah. revenue in order to be able to do that you want to talk us through that yes uh so in april of 2018 i, I think that's when i attended microconf like in may is when i launched the first mvp to see if there was any interest and at that time, I just worked on growing the community to make sure that people are interested, that I'm giving them the resources they want. And then towards the end of that year in 2018 is when I really thought about monetization. I was like, I'm onto something, but it, in order to be sustainable, you have to make money somehow. So that's when I explored, you know, different ways of monetization. And then I settled on running a job board. And for the first time, uh, I'd actually didn't know my customers were going to be recruiters, people who are interested in diversity and inclusion, but I did not have that network. So what I did was I actually built the job board and launched on Product Hunt to see if and I wanted to validate the other part of it. So I launched on uh, Product Hunt and that's where I got my first few customers. And the thing I did along with the launch was I have a newsletter for underrepresented people in tech. I also said, if you're interested in a newsletter, that talks about diversity and inclusion for people who are interested to learn more, please sign up here. And at that time, I 
didn't know if people would be interested, but over time that just grew, like people were subscribing and I hadn't actually started it yet. And at one point somebody asked me like, Hey, I'm not getting emails from this. And I was like, Oh shoot, I really should, you know, work on this. So that's when I first, then I started doing a newsletter for people who are interested in diversity inclusion. So I had uh, both of these going at the same time. And I basically started talking about the job board in the newsletter, that's where I started getting more customers from that side too. And end of last year is when I got to around 2,500 per month and uh, on the job board. And it was also getting uh, tough to manage it part-time. That's when I talked with my family and said, I think I'm going to work on this full-time. So yeah, it's since 2019, beginning of this year, I've been working full-time on it. That's great. And then, so it took you about 18 months to get to 2500 and then we have a tweet i think producer sander might be able to pull it up but we'll certainly link to it in show notes you have a tweet where you say i feel uncomfortable talking about money this is from last month I feel uncomfortable talking about money but i'm happy to share that diversified tech crossed ten thousand dollars in monthly revenue it happened in june so that was basically six almost six months later so it was 18 months to 2500 and six ish months to uh to 10k I told mm -hmm. myself that it's probably just a fluke, but it has been happening consistently since then. So I guess I should believe it. So t tell us that story. How do you quadruple in six months? What was the, what was the driving factor? Yeah, as 2019 has, 2020 has been a wild year. Yep. With the pandemic, the Black Lives Matter movement, a lot has been going on. So I quit my job in, in December of last year. In January, things were consistent. Everything was going well. And then once the pandemic hit, um, my job board actually literally just dropped to 250 or something that month. And I worried for a month. I'm like, I think I chose the wrong time to quit my job to go into this. But I had some friends who were using the job board. They said, people are just scared right now uh, because they're reacting to the pandemic. Just give it time. Things will pick up. So I kept doing so what I was doing, maintaining what was going on. And then it, it a lot of things with the Black Lives Matter movement started, which unfortunate, that's what it took for people to realize what's going on in our country. And because of that, people started looking for things to do, to how to diversify their companies and things like that. And prior to that, as I was working on Diversify Tech, uh, my members would often ask me like, how can I support you? How can I help you? And I would tell them if, if you can tell companies uh, about us, that'd be great. That's what I would always ask in return. And when this happened, companies were look, seeking for something like what I was building. So all of my members were basically recommending me uh, to rep yeah. recommending diversify tech to all these companies. And that kind of just took off from there. Yeah. So I think it was a matter of people looking for what I built at that time. Sure. Yeah. A little bit of hard, a lot of, but quite a bit of hard work, some luck and some mm -hmm. skill all go into mm -hmm. this type of stuff. And so is the majority of your revenue then from the job board or, mm -hmm. cause I know you also have kind of patrons who I think mm -hmm. commit, that's like a donation or like a support, you know, structure. Yeah. And then you, I believe you have sponsors for your email newsletter mm -hmm. as well. Okay. But yes. the majority is from the job board. Yes. So I have patrons and I have uh, sponsorships and I also do ads in the newsletter itself, but majority is from the job board. Very cool. Yeah. So the, the 10K that I was, yeah. Go ahead. The 10K that I tweeted about is uh, just from the job board. Oh, got it. 
Oh man, so you're above 10K. That's uh, <laughs> congratulations. That's really cool. There's a little bit of right, you know, place at the right time, even though it's a difficult time, but it, it at least there was a resource for people to go to. That's the way I look at it. You've, you've filled this gap of where else would people have gone to try to, to try to engage with the Black Lives Matter and try to diversify tech. And I, I think you've chosen a really, a really good name for the, for your company. And I think it's obvious that you have struck a nerve and, and hit, filled a need, a pretty dire need that in two years, getting to 10K a month and building a community almost from scratch in that amount of time is mm -hmm without a big content push or without a big ad budget or without any funding, like mm -hmm. it's, it's something to really, should really feel good about that. Like it's super impressive. And job boards are famous for being these, I'll say just very stable sources of revenue. Even in, I know when there's downturns, people hire less and yes, it, it can drop off. But mm -hmm. for InDesire tech workers, mm -hmm. it's pretty rare that there's months and months when no one wants to hire mm -hmm. them. So uh, it's, it is such a stable, I think going to be a stable mm -hmm. piece for you. I'm curious if you, at this point, if you have plans to expand your offerings, because right now I know you have, as we saw on your homepage, you have nine different things or whatever that you offer. Do you have additional things that you are looking to build out and expand into, or are you just, you know, putting all your weight behind what you have today? In terms of expansion, I've, I've actually been getting a lot of customers from Europe. They want something uh, to reach underrepresented people in Europe. And unfortunately, like I built the community, I focused all of my energy in the U.S. So it's not really international. So I, uh, at this time, I'm actually turning away customers from Europe. So my next thing is going to be, I think, do the same thing, but for uh, the European market. And I'm thinking of doing pretty much repeating the same thing. I don't think I'll have the energy to do it all by myself. So I'm looking to partner with sure. somebody else who can share, do what I'm doing, but just for the European market. So I think that'll Got be it. the next thing. Yeah. And that's, that was a question I was going to ask is as a solo founder, you're doing a lot here because this is not just a, Hey, I build a software product and people on board themselves and stuff happens. I imagine there's a lot going into it. Are there any processes or, or any things, specific things you've done that have helped you streamline your operations to be able yeah. to run this fairly complex business on your own? Uh, I, you know, one of the things I did differently when I started this was not overtake it. I built, mm -hmm. I started very simple. And as I find myself doing the same thing over and over again, then I would automate it. So on the surface, it's a simple site. There's a database behind it, but once a job is posted, uh, there's a lot of manual work that I have to do because not everybody who posts actually gets to be on the job board. I look up their reviews on Glassdoor. If there's, I look up their news. So there's a lot of manual things that I have to do. So some things I've done is, okay, I get a job posting. I get, I send myself an automated email with Glassdoor reviews that, and it, I had, and I also create a draft email draft to send to companies of, I have two templates. Yes, your job looks great or no. So all of that, I like automated using no code tools. And uh, so, yeah, I kind of do everything manually to start with and as things are, as I do the same things over and over again, I use no code tools to automate it. It's a hard thing to do as a software engineer, because I want to just yeah. build everything from scratch, but yep. uh, the community doesn't really care what I use. Just that, right. you know, <laughs> yeah. It's the result they're looking for. Yeah. I'm curious, are you looking for then companies that are diversity friendly? Is that the idea you want to verify that they're not a, a crappy environment or hostile environment? Mm -hmm. And I guess that's the first part of our question. Second part is when you reject a company's jobs, have you ever had 
backlash or like a real negative response to that? It's, yeah, one of the things I try to do is look on Glassdoor and I look for certain clues. If most like, are they racist? There are issues. Usually I find them on Glassdoor that they're racist, the CEO sexist or things like that I've encountered uh, previously. And other things I look up is in the news. For example, I recently had a posting and some news came out just literally two days ago that the CEO did something that was not great. Uh, so things like that. So I have to like co constantly be on the lookout for what these companies are doing. Sometimes it's, it's, you know, I see, I pay attention a lot on Twitter because underrepresented people tend to speak out a lot there. So I look for clues there. So I just search the company's name and see what's going on. Sometimes there feels like something's off. Then I actually reach out to previous employees that have left the company and ask them, you know, what was your, I specifically reach out to underrepresented people and ask them, what was your experience like? I get to that part only if everything else, if, if I feel like something's off, but yeah, that's a process so far. And most companies are okay with it. Most companies actually just ghost me. Once I say, I'm sorry, I can't work with you. I never hear back from them. Some companies ask for some sort of process to get them on the job board. An, which, an appeal? Uh, they want to appeal. Yeah, an appeal. Yes, that's the word, an appeal. But you so far have not let, had that happen that much. And recently, and just yesterday, I said no to somebody, and they said, "Can we get on a call and discuss?" Not, I'm not sure yet on how I'm going to handle that because it it was the last door reviews were pretty awful for that company. Yeah, I'm trying to figure that out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a ch it's a challenge when you're curating like that and you're curating based on the kind of third-party information. Is Glassdoor known? I don't know much about Glassdoor. I've read mm -hmm. reviews a few times, but is it known to be relatively accurate? Is there a chance that someone, if they have a, what do you call it? A pick to, pick to bear. No, wait a minute. Mm -hmm. A axe to grind. Axe to grind is a phrase. <laughs> if someone had an axe to grind, could they like put a bunch of negative mm -hmm. reviews in Glassdoor? Yeah, it's quite possible. What I've been trying to do is look only in the past six months or so. So mm -hmm. I don't go too far in the past six months. How are they doing? And they say that Glassdoor usually does not, because sometimes I guess companies try to go to Glassdoor and have reviews removed if it's bad, but apparently Glassdoor is pretty good about that. Uh, but similar to Glassdoor, there are other ones too, which focus specifically for women and then also for underrepresented people. So I check those too. But in terms of if somebody had axe to grind and gave a bad review, I would rather not risk it. I always try to prioritize the community over the company. So it might happen, but yeah. Sure. Cool. So uh, maybe one or two more questions. Um, curious, as you were trying to figure out monetization for Diversify Tech, I'm sure that was something that Maybe it was a challenge uh, in the early days. Obviously, you've figured it out pretty well at this point. But I'm curious to hear what have been some of your biggest challenges when it came to monetizing and anything that was surprisingly easy. Yeah. In terms of monetization, the, as we were talking, the biggest challenge was how do I monetize something where like, I can't monetize on the underrepresented people in tech side because my whole thing is that I want to give them access to opportunities so I can't put a paywall for that goes against what I'm trying to do. So I had to figure out another way, uh, which was through companies. When I was running Code20, one of the things that happened was I was getting a lot of sponsors, but 
the difficulty there was the requests always came from the marketing departments of a company. So they wanted to do more like brand management. So they wanted to sponsor to show people that they are diverse, that they are for mm -hmm. diversity. And unfortunately, what happens is that what they say may not be reality. Mm -hmm. So that's I was like, if I focused on sponsorships, then I'm basically being a PR for person for the company. And mm -hmm. that was like a difficult thing to manage. So that I didn't focus so much on that. So the job board was a good way because I was, I made it more of an application process, you know, similar to how candidates go and apply to companies. They companies ask a lot of information, like your GPA, why do you want to work for the company and things like that. So I did the same thing. So I asked them their demographics. I asked them why should underrepresented people in tech work at your company? Uh, so things like that. So I like reversed that a little bit. And honestly, at the beginning, I didn't think any would actually fill out this really long form, but there was, I think enough of an interest and there were companies who did want to diversify their teams. So it helped to filter out the companies that were, had good intentions. So I had to try out quite a few different things to yeah, figure out monetization, which was good for the community too. Yeah, I would agree. Bainey, thank you so much for joining me today at MicroConf on air. We're going to wrap up. If folks want to keep up with you. You are Vaini Kunche on Twitter and Diversify Tech Co. On remember diversifytech.co and then the Twitter handle is diversifytechco. And of course, I am at Rob Walling. If folks want to connect with any of us, thanks again for joining me. It's great having you. Yeah, thank you. All right, as we wrap up, State of Independent SaaS, I mentioned at the top of the show, stateofindiesass.com. If you want to partake, I'd encourage you to, uh, to do that so we can all get great numbers and interesting metrics and benchmarks to measure from. Also, thanks to Hay and Stripe for being our headline partners for the year. As I always say, they make everything we do just a little easier, and it's great to be connected with Hay and Stripe. If you haven't already subscribed, head to youtube.com slash microconf. All of our new videos come out. And I will see you next Wednesday, same time, same place.